Good morning. We have a couple announcements and, and then we'll have a stewardship moment. And so I'm going to ask, I believe Adam Wycliffe has his first announcement. Adam, you want to go ahead and come up here to the lectern and uh, Marion Waters, uh, if you want to be right behind him, it's because I'll have but like one announcement. Biggest announcement is a combined board meeting tonight at 4 p.m. Just to, rem to remember that. And also just, um, and I'll, I'll mention this other thing after Adam. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I think there's a little step right here, so if I fell too short, I could stand on it. Good morning. Next Sunday at 2 o'clock, the Greer Soup Kitchen is going to hold um, the Merle State Hunger Walk. Uh, many of you knew Mer Merle. He was a member of this church who passed a few years ago. Um, the Hunger Walk is one of our biggest fundraisers for the Soup Kitchen. Um, I'm on the board of Soup Kitchen, so I'm really involved with that. And uh, this event, we're going to meet over in the parking lot at the FLC and walk from the church down to the soup kitchen. It's a guided walk. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, we'll be taking up uh, donations of uh, money and food, of course. And uh, when we get down to the soup kitchen, there will be um, music, food, and plenty of fun. This is a, a kid-friendly and dog-friendly walk. It's not cat-friendly. Don't bring your cat. Um, but it's a, it's a great event. So if you can come to our event um, next Sunday, 2 o'clock, in the parking lot of the FLC, that'll be fantastic. Thank you. It's my pleasure to have the stewardship moment this morning. And in thinking on this, I, I recollected back for 40 years. And for almost 40 years, I've had the privilege of church membership and worshiping with this great congregation at Memorial United Methodist Church. During this time, I've had the opportunity to grow in my personal faith. I've had opportunities for service. And it changed from a young 25-year-old brown-haired young man to almost a 65-year-old white-headed, somewhat balding senior citizen. Time spent in this beautiful sanctuary and personal reflection has taught me that the best things in life occur in this special place. At this communion rail, our children are baptized and later confirmed into full membership into the church. In this place, marriages are performed and new families are created and consecrated. At this altar, the sacrament of Holy Communion is given in remembrance of Christ's love and sacrifice for us. And as we come to the end of life, our lives are celebrated and remembered here in this special place. I'm acutely aware that this just didn't happen, that for more than 130 years, people have actively supported this congregation and this church. God has blessed us in so many ways with healthy bodies, with strong minds, with more material possessions than we deserve, with family and friends, and with our faith. Jesus has shown us the way to live life abundantly so that life has meaning and purpose and value. And through his sacrifice, we have life eternal. Our response to all of that, that has been given to us by God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, 
is a spirit of gratitude. When we joined Memorial United Methodist Church, we committed to supporting our church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. As we approach Commitment Sunday, may we give ourselves to the ministry and mission of our church and give Christ to a hurting, needy world. Thank you. Next Sunday is Consecration Pledge Sunday. It'll be held at 10 o'clock combined service here within this sanctuary. Then we'll follow with a meal, a catered meal. There's no cost to you. One other thing, it, you might have, there's in uh, every bulletin a breakdown of the steps of giving and what, uh, I hope you'll look at that. Uh, prayerfully consider moving up a step uh, with your pledge this coming year.
Let us pray together. Give us, O Lord our God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness that may finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. join together as we affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated and then I asked you to uh, pull the liturgy out of your bulletin as we 
begin this baptism. And I'll ask the baptismal family to come forward. Yeah, there you go. Be excited about this. Big deal. <laughs> he sees his aunt, I think. <laughs> the church is of God and will be served to the end of time for the conduct of worship, the due administration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers, and the conversion of the world. All of every age and station stand in need of the means of grace which it alone supplies. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which grace we become partakers of His righteousness and heirs of His life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated in the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Now we're asked the parents who are presenting this child, Do you, in presenting this child for holy baptism, reject all that's evil, repent of your sin, and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? To the congregation, I asked you, as Christ's body, the church, will you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in a Christian faith and life and include this young man here before you in your care and surround him with a community of love and forgiveness? Let us pray. Eternal Father, your mighty acts of salvation have been made known through water from the moving of your spirit upon the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. Jesus called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. We pray, O oh God, that you pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and to that one who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Let the congregation say, Amen. All right, Jesus, go hold him. Okay. Camden Michael Howard, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Those who have baptized in the Christ Church are welcomed as a, into the congregation of the United Methodist Church. This child is now a preparatory member. Someday he'll be going through confirmation and answer all these questions for himself. 
So members of the household of God, I commend this child to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love. And let the congregation respond. Let us, let us pray again. Let's pray. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this child, as he grows in years, may also grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that by the restraining and renewing influence of the Holy Spirit, he may ever be a true child of thine, serving thee faithfully all his days. So guide and uphold the parents and sponsors of this child, that by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, they may lead him into that life of faith, whose strength is righteousness, whose fruit is everlasting joy and peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve and keep you now and forevermore. Amen. You think you're going to let me, you let me hold you? Let's see if we can. Yes, he's been playing with my hand. Y'all let me hold you. Okay, quiet. <laughs> hey. <laughs> he's a heavy little fellow. Congratulations to And now we would let our children come forward for children's time. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? I like those shoes. Those are nice. All right, I need some help this morning. We'll give you a couple of things here. All right, what are those? Pennies. What can you do with a penny? Can you buy a Coke? Save all your pennies. That's good. Can you buy bubble gum? 
Can you think of anything that you can buy with two pennies? So, no, there's not much or anything at all. Um, maybe not even 50 cents. But think, so, what we thought, got two pennies there. So, would you say those two pennies are worthless? No. Because you can save them, right? But they don't mean they're pretty inexpensive right now. They don't really mean a lot, just two of them. But if you add, then it will grow. Well, I'm going to read a story out of the Bible this morning of where an instance where two coins, or let's say two pennies, were everything, were worthless. I mean, were actually priceless, okay? This comes out of Luke 20, Luke 21. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And this is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, he said. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So this lady in the story out of Luke 21, Jesus noticed, gave everything that she had. Next week, we have Consecration Sunday. And it's a big Sunday for this church because we build our budget around next Sunday. But what's more important, just not thinking about money, next week we will pledge what we will give in our money. But think of this, this lady sacrificed everything she had, not only her time, her talents, and, her, and also her money. So let's think next week as we prepare for Consecration Sunday, not just money, but how we can give of not only just our, our time and our talents, but actually put forth a sacrifice for the betterment of this church. So this church provides a lot for us, right? You'll have fun with all the children's activities and the Sunday night with Miss Katie and things like that. But think about small things here in the church that take volunteers. They give of their time and they give of their talents. Think of the flowers that are on the altar. Think of the wedding committee, the ladies that help with weddings. Think of the trustees that manage our facilities and our fields and our playgrounds. So think about those people, not thinking of just how much money we can give, but a truly sacrifice of our time and our talents to our church. Because in the end, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, right? He gave his life for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home and hear your word. Father, I pray that you would prepare our minds and prepare our hearts as we get closer to Consecration Sunday. Help us to realize that everything that we are blessed with comes from you. Father, you only ask for a small sacrifice from us in giving back to our church, not only with our money, but with our time and our talents. Help us to prayerfully consider this week what we will give to Memorial to continue the growth of this church. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.
first scripture reading today comes from Isaiah, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. Songs of Praise. In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, our strength and our song. Hear, hear our songs this day as we approach the throne of grace to offer our praise. This is the day which you have made, and we rejoice in it. And we're glad to come and to bless your name. And we're reminded at all time is in your hands. Uh, you watch over the affairs of the earth, and you set the seasons in their courses. You point us toward a time which is yet to come a time of fulfillment of all promises. You tell us that the ending of time as we know it is at hand. And yet we must confess this day that we do not live as if time were important. We waste the gift of time. We waste the opportunity to do good that you give us. We make all kinds of excuses. Now, Lord, we pray this day that just as you redeemed the times before, that you redeem us that you'd put us to your task so that we may be faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. Sustain us with your Holy Spirit that as we face condemnation for our faith, we may be bold to testify to the truth. Give us courage and fill us with spiritual power. And in this day of waiting, when we still see, sign, and we see signs around us of, of decay and destruction, uh, help us, O oh Lord, to stand firm. We also notice this day that there are many who we love who are destroyed by illnesses that attack the body, by fears that disrupt the mind, and uh, by false messiahs which make dry the spirit. Uh, lift up your people when they fall, turn them back where they have turned away, and give them hope where they are discouraged, and give comfort to all who suffer uh, from war and from violence and oppression, and show your righteousness to victims of injustice your peace to those who have no peace. Lord, we know that you hear us, and we know that you will answer us. Help us to accept your good and perfect will in this and all things as we pray together the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let the uh, ushers come forward now to receive our tithes and our offerings.
Please be seated. Uh, this coming Sunday is, as we know it, is Consecration Pledge Sunday, but it's also uh, Christ the King Sunday. It is the last Sunday of the Christian year, and then we start over with the uh, Advent uh, uh, that begins next. And at this time, usually there's readings about the end, end times, and there's what we have today as suggested. It's Luke 21, and we begin at verse 5. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said to them, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? What will be the sign that they're about to take place? And Jesus replied, Watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming that I am he and that the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And this will result in your being witnesses. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death. And all men will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, words from your scriptures oftentimes, especially when it comes to the end times, when it comes to your second coming, they confuse us. They, uh, they, we're not always sure what they mean or how to understand them. Uh, help us to understand this day that perseverance is what you ask us to do in the face of all destruction. We pray, O oh Lord, that you'd help us by your power of your Holy Spirit this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now what you really have, what scene you have here is that the disciples, and many of them have been uh, out and away from Jerusalem and the temple. Uh, some of them, this might even been their first time that they have come and seen the temple in all its glory. And, and uh, you know, it's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was this temple. That's, that's how impressive it was and how magnificent it was. Um, if any of, any of you ever been to the Temple Mount, that's the Temple Mount is still there, the foundations are still there, but the temple, of course, is gone. Uh, but it's a huge area, and I can see it's on a prominent hill that it would have been very impressive to these disciples. But, this, but to this starstruck disciple, Jesus stops him uh, with these words, take a good look around, fellas, what you see here is not gonna be here. Where you stand today will be in ruins. And if you think about that, what that must have meant to them to hear those words. Uh, it would be as if I stood here and said, look around in a few days, this will not be here. It'll be gone. It'll be destroyed. 
I think when we saw the Twin Towers fall, we, we had probably a feeling like that. Who would have believed that that would have happened? That could have happened. Uh, but the temple did fall. The temple fell in uh, 70 A.D. and it never has been rebuilt. But on that day when Jesus spoke, the thought that the temple could be destroyed was almost unthinkable. And yet, as bad as that might seem, Jesus is trying uh, and talking and thinking about something deeper. He's using this as a teaching example. And he wants the people who are listening to him, he wants you today to hear that what this is really about is living by faith through perilous times. Because if you think about it, everything, everything that you've ever known, every structure, every system, every person, any, you name anything, eventually it will wear out, eventually it will disappoint, eventually it will come crumbling down. The reason is because, as Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, is that what we see is temporary. Everything we see is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And we live in an age when it seems as if the whole world has fallen apart. And it's natural, I think, for us to be sad and anxious. If, if you're not sad or anxious at least once a week from just reading and seeing what's going on in the world, then I, I would think that would be very odd if you weren't. But Jesus has a word for us. He has a word for the disciples. He has a word for us. And you see it there in verse 9. In the midst of all this that he's describing, which is terrible things, in the midst of the temple crumbling around you, uh, he says, do not be afraid. Stand firm. Do not be afraid. In 2 Timothy, it says, God's solid foundation stands firm. Uh, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are His. You know, I think it's interesting that the temple was totally destroyed and stone, uh, turned over stone, but the foundation remains even to this day. Now, there is certainly a tension uh, between uh, things crumbling around us and Jesus' call to stand firm. But I believe what Jesus is telling us is not only are we to stand firm, but we are to see opportunities within these things. Uh, we, we, first of all, we see an opportunity to ask ourselves, what do we put our faith in? Do we put our faith in a temple? Uh, do we put our faith in things that are destined for the rubble of history, or do we put our faith in the cornerstone that cannot be moved of Christ Jesus? You know, the prophet Isaiah back in chapter 7, verse 9, said these words, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. In other words, that's the only way to stand firm, is to stand firm in your faith. Friends, I believe that a living faith has a passion for life. You know, God wants us to live life abundantly. He wants us to, to take and live life to the fullest. But also the Lord wants us to know that there will be trials and tribulations. They will. They, they'll come. And they're an opportunity to testify to God's faithfulness. There's a true story of a bishop of the church during the days of communist, uh, communism. and He was a bishop in communi communist Eastern Europe. And he was in prison for a long, long time because he protested the communist regime. He, he, he would continue to hold uh, Christian services even though they were illegal and he wasn't supposed to. And he was placed into a solitary 
confinement in a small cell with no windows, and they would do this weeks on end trying to break him. But he later wrote in his memoirs, he wrote, they thought I was alone, but they were wrong. That in that room was the risen Christ, and in communion with him, I was able to prevail. You know, even though we're surrounded by trouble, even though we suffer, we can proclaim through our perseverance the good news of Christ. Listen again to what Jesus says, and, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but this is what Jesus was saying. Don't be drawn in by those things that are temporary, those things that are illusionary, those things that are maybe really grand at the moment, but they're destined to crumble. And don't worry about when that end will come, the, the exact date and time, don't worry about it, because from the beginning of Scripture to the end is the promise that I have given to you that if you belong to God, you have nothing to fear. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us. That's what he's trying to tell the disciples. That's what he's trying to tell us today. There'll come a time, according to the prophet Isaiah, when we will stand in front of the Lord and the Lord will wipe away our tears and we will say these words, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. Surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. My friends, grasping and understanding deeply this promise of God is how people in the midst of trouble and tribulation are able to bear witness. When I was serving in Aldersgate in Rock Hill about, uh, say, eight years ago when I came there, went there, um, we had a Winthrop Piano a master's level. She was studying for a master's from Winthrop Piano, a pianist. And she was uh, from the Philippines. She couldn't speak much English, but she could flat tear up a piano. It was amazing. And she played the piano for our early service there. Her name was Marnie Riaz. Marnie was on a student visa. And when her student visa was up, she had to return to the Philippines. Marnie lives in the area of destruction in the Philippines. We've remained friends uh, through Facebook. And I noticed that the last day that she posted was the day that the typhoon came through. And from that point on, all the posts have been from people who know her saying, we are praying for you. We hope you're all right. Please let us know if you survived the typhoon. And so every day we've been worried and we've been checking uh, Facebook. Uh, we even sent a private message to her. Finally, last night, we heard a back a simple post that said, I have survived. Thank you for your prayers. Thanks be to God. You know, she was just a young lady in her 20s, and I can't help but think what hell she must have been living through in the last few days. I still don't know whether or not members of her family have survived. We had the opportunity to meet her mother. She made a trip over once while she was at Winthrop, and she came to church, and she, she witnessed uh, through her faith and thanked us for all we'd done for her daughter. And, you know... How does somebody go through what we have seen, the devastation in the Philippines, and still say, thanks be to God? They are able to do that because of what I'm saying right here. You see, the thing is, 
is that unless you grasp and understand how important your faith is to stand firm through all kinds of adversity, you won't stand firm. And most of the time, the people who don't stand firm are those who put other temples up instead of the temple of faith. And so the question has to come to me. I think I've always looked at Scripture and say, is there not a question in this Scripture to me? And the question, it seems to me, that's in this Scripture is this. What is it that we need to give up? What is it that you need to give up, that I need to give up, so that we can live more faithfully? Are we falling after things that we can see, or are we falling after the unseen things of God? It seems to me, my friends, that the Christian life is a marathon, but it's not about speed. It's about distance. It's about crossing the line. You know, anyone who's ever been in a marathon or watched a marathon, you know, they make a big deal about that person who went across the finish line first. But then there is still always all these other people who persevered. And even that very last person who perseveres and makes it across the finish line, they don't stop waiting. You know, they don't just say, well, the race is over. Let's go home. Let's put everything away because the first one got through. My friends, the Christian life is like that. It's not about speed. It's about distance. It's because Jesus said that the stones will be overturned. The troubles will come. There will be awful times. There'll be accidents. There'll be disease. There'll be disasters. The lights will go out. The temples will fall. But despite all that, the story is not over. The last word is not trouble, but glory. Romans 5 says it this way, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope will never disappoint us. These scriptures about last things may seem strange to us. They may seem foreign to us. But they're really about the promise of God being fulfilled, uh, coming about. And they're about the faith and hope of God's people and those promises. Remember in verse 28, I, I, I want to kind of end with this. In verse 28 it says, When these things begin to take place, Stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. It does not say go cower in fear under the nearest rock cliff. It says when these things start take, to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. God's firm foundation stands firm because God knows who's His. And some might tempt with the question, where's the promise of Christ coming? The skeptics will always be there. But you must stand firm and not grow weary of doing good. Look, here's the way I look at it. And maybe it's simple. Maybe it's simplistic. But it, the Scripture says that in God's time, that a day is like a thousand years. If that's true, that's what the Scripture says, why wouldn't we not believe it? So it's in the Scripture. If God's time is, is like a thousand years, then only a day, the day before yesterday, was when Jesus spoke these divine words of comfort. The words that say, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
So two days are coming to a close. The second day is coming to a close. The third day dawns. I don't know to you, to me, but the third day has a familiar ring. Anybody remember where the third day is? On the third day, a dark tomb is eliminated by a great light, and we hear the angels sing, He is not here, He is risen, just as He said. The third day is dawning. Let us have joyful expectation. Let us not be afraid. Let us stand and raise our heads knowing that redemption is near. And then let us long uh, with joyful expectation these words that the Apostle John wrote in Revelation 21. He said, I did not see a temple in the holy city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And then he wrote, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb of God is its lamp. Let us have that expectation as we live these days. Amen.
Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord uh, turn and smile at you this day. May the Lord give you his peace. Amen.